Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What was that? Recorded live. To apologize to your wife when you see her, but before you do, I want to I want to work with you through this issue. Where did that go wrong? See, that's the advocate defending me, but the accuser comes to destroy me, and they both sound so similar. It's hard to tell the difference. I have this friend named Henry Cloud. He's a Christian psychologist, and he did a seminar here at the church for business leaders. And he was talking about negative thinking, and he, and he said the way you can know when your thoughts have become destructive and negative and the feedback that you're giving yourself has become shame-based, he said there's, there's three Ps of negative thinking, and I, I want to call them the three Ps of shame for our sermon here today. Put them on the screen, please. He said that negative thinking, here's how you can know when the enemy is affecting your thinking rather than God. He says that negative thinking and shame is always, number one, personal, permanent, Number two, and pervasive. Pervasive means it spreads to every area of your life. He said that negative thinking is always personal, permanent, and pervasive. And I think he's right. I think he's right. Shame doesn't say you made a bad decision. Shame says you're a horrible person. Shame says, not only did you lose your temper, but shame says you're completely out of control. Shame takes what you did and tries to tell you that's who you are, makes it, makes it personal. Oh, I've got to tell you one story about Elijah since I told you one about Graham. Um, so uh, last summer when I was riding Crash the Chatterbox, we were on family vacation, and I noticed Holly had uh, taken out this cornhole board that my mom had let us borrow. And the next thing I noticed from across the yard, I'm sitting over there working on the book, and, from a, and I'm writing about this, the three Ps of, I'm taking this thing about the three Ps, and I'm writing about it, and I notice across the yard, Elijah has decided that rather than play cornhole, he's going to jump up and down on the cornhole board like it's a trampoline. And then I noticed the cornhole board broken in half, and then I noticed Holly having a conversation with Elijah, a very intimate conversation about his decision, because we've been trying to teach him not to break stuff and not to have such a rambunctious personal disregard for all property and humanity. And, and so Elijah is, has melted down, and I, it's one of those parenting moments where, I don't know if you ever do this, I'm trying to decide, do I pretend like I don't see this happening so I don't have to get involved in it, or should I engage it? And I decided I'm going you know, to go over there and help, because Elijah is just all tore up about it. When I got over to him, he says this, and I don't know if he was just turning up the drama because he knew he was in trouble and he thought if he could turn up the drama that we would back off a little bit or what he was doing. He's a pretty smart kid. But I heard him say this, and he said, he said this, these exact words. He said, what's wrong with me? I always mess up everything. And so I was like, you know, nobody, you don't always mess up everything. But then I walked away because I had to go write that down because I had to go put it down because it's just perfect in my chapter. 
No, I want you to think about it with me. From, from the lips of an eight-year-old, he just outlined the three Ps of shame. Let's take it apart. Let's exegete those two sentences. Number one, what's wrong with me? Personal. It's not about what you did anymore. It's about who you are. What's wrong with me? Not why did I jump up and down on the cornhole board even though I've been in. What's wrong? There is something fundamentally flawed about my character. Not I need to calm down a little bit. I'm a little too wild. What's wrong? I thought about titling this sermon, What's Wrong With Me? Because that's what shame does inside your psyche. It doesn't just say you did wrong. It says you are wrong. It doesn't just say you messed up. It says you are messed up. It doesn't just say that you blew at that time. It says that you, you blew at that time, so there is something wrong with you that cannot be made right. What's, what's wrong with me is personal. But, but then it's also permanent. Watch this. I always, I always, I'm only eight years old, but I always, you see, you see it? I always mess up. This is permanent and it's pervasive. I mess up everything. Uh, that's what I'm doing standing in the yard, driving down the road, thinking about those packing peanuts. It's not just you need to tell your wife you're sorry and work on this issue. Now it's, and you call yourself a man of God? Who do you think you are? Personal. And it's permanent. Just like your dad yelled at your mom, now you're repeating the same cycle. Suck. You hear the rooster? Oh, you thought I forgot about Peter. No, no, we started this sermon talking about, about Peter. How, how that the, the, the moment he denied Jesus the third time and his failure was complete. The rooster crowed. Uh, that's interesting to me that, that the rooster crowed because you've got to realize that now every morning that Peter wakes up for the rest of his life, he's going to have a reminder of this moment, this failure. Every morning he wakes up to the crow of the rooster, and every time he hears the rooster crow, he's transported back to this place where he's standing at a distance, denying that he even knows Jesus. I wonder what roosters are crowing in your mind today. I wonder what reminders are shaming you, something you did, a marriage that you ruined, a relationship that you screwed up. Uh, I wonder what images are in your mind of the times. Now, I'm not just talking about the big catastrophic stuff either. I'm talking about what packing peanuts you've been standing in the middle. I I wonder what things that the enemy is trying to personalize and make permanent and pervasive to convince you by the crow of the rooster. See, that's how the devil operates. That's what the accuser does. He will crow in your face. The moment that you come awake in the morning, it's... 
my rooster's getting kind of weak. I've done it a couple times now. You have to bear with me. But 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 it's a sound. It's an impression. It's a sensation. It's a it's a feeling that you that you can't shake. There, there's somebody here today who has been walking in the shadows of shame, just driving along to the soundtrack of shame. And I'm driving down the road, and and I'm driving down the road thinking about what I did, and I'm and I'm wondering how in the world am I going to face my wife and her family after I just acted like a complete idiot after I just acted like a complete child. Uh, and and I'm, I'm thinking about God. I'm thinking about how, God, I don't deserve your love. And you know what God said to me in that car? He said, you're right. You don't deserve it. You're right. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But that doesn't mean you're not worthy of it. You don't deserve it. But I made you worthy of it. And God help us because in our churches, we've tried to change people by making them feel ashamed about what they did. And so much of what, what we've, we've called Christianity is really just shame-based behavior modification. But shame can't change you, not for long. Only grace can do that. Only grace can do that. The rooster can only remind you of your sin. But you know what the spirit can do? You know what the advocate can do? You know what God can do if you'll open your eyes and open your ears? Just like Jesus looked at Peter, just like Jesus restored Peter, I believe that grace wants to look you in the eyes today and say, you're not loved because you deserve it. You're loved because I made you worthy. Hey, well, thanks for spending some time with me today. I hope you enjoyed the message. But more than that, I'd like to encourage you to take just one simple thing that you heard today and put it into practice in your life. You'll be surprised the difference that simple obedience can make. You can choose the voice you listen to, and when you do, you change the direction of your destiny. And be sure to join us next time right here on The Elevation Experience. We all battle negative thoughts that are filled with lies of condemnation, fear, insecurity, and discouragement. See, the enemy has to shout lies and make you feel worthless because he's lying. He can't get to you. So all he can do is shout and hope you'll stop. That's the only way he can hope to stop you. God doesn't have to shout. If you're a believer, he's within you. This month, as a thank you for your gift of any amount, we would like to send you Crash the Chatterbox, a six-part DVD set from Pastor Stephen Furtick, where we learn how to hear God's voice above all others. And for a gift of $35 or more, we will include Pastor Stephen's New York Times best-selling book, Crash the Chatterbox. God will warn you, but he will never create worry within you. When God warns you, he'll give you a specific instruction, and it'll mobilize you and make you stronger. When the enemy threatens you, he won't make you stronger. He'll make your faith weaker. To order these Crash the Chatterbox resources, call us toll-free at 1-888-777-1896 or visit us online at stephenfurtick.com today.
looking at the greatest miracle maker of all time, Jesus Christ. And we've been looking at the roadmap that he has left for his team to guide us to a personal miracle, the miracle that we need. And we said that every miracle in the New Testament always had a purpose behind it. Jesus never performed a miracle without there being a purpose behind it. In fact, he embedded a miracle map within every miracle he performed in the New Testament that points us to the miracle we need most, that points you to the personal miracle that you need. And so today we're going to look at a walking miracle, a a guy who needed a miracle desperately in a hopeless situation, and Jesus gave him the miracle that lifted him off the mat, that got him unstuck and took him to the next level. Open your Bibles to John chapter 5. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, He asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. And be seated. Here we see a man stuck in a hopeless situation for 38 years. He needed a miracle to get him unstuck. He needed a miracle to lift him of the road. Don't be jealous of these great spiritual, intellectual illustrations that I get, but they work for me. (laughs) Yeah, and, and, and then you live with the guilt of not being enough. You live with the guilt of not being enough. Not enough father, not enough husband. Not enough Christians, not enough mama, not enough wife, and you beat yourself up. And the Bible is saying here, we don't even know what to pray for. Because we, how in the world can you figure out what's wrong with me, and you can't even figure out what's wrong with you? I never could understand that. Now, you could be so smart about what I needed to do and so dumb about what you needed to do. Isn't that amazing to me? It just blows my mind. These deep people who got a word from the Lord for my life. Why didn't you have a word for the Lord? I'm just asking. I'm not accusing nobody. I'm just saying. The truth of the matter is we know not what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself, let me, because I don't want to misquote a word of it, because it's so good, it's so good, I don't want to miss it. We know, we know not, likewise, for we know not that we, what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And then it tells us that, that the Spirit is down there on the inside of you even when your lips are closed. Pleading for you, groaning for you, oh, groaning. Have you ever been in a hospital and you heard somebody groaning over and they say, oh, you can even see them, but you can even, oh, 
supernatural. You know something was going on? That sound is going on in your soul. There's a groaning going up in the spirit, down on the inside for you. Groanings and moanings that you can't even express. Think of it. You didn't lose your mind because the spirit was down on the inside. Welcome to J.C. Penny. Nobody knows it. Down on the inside. Does it? Oh! The witch knew it. The demons know it. Hell knows it. You've got an intercessor down on the inside interceding on your behalf. Even while you are asleep in the bed at night, you should have been dead in your sleep. But there was something, oh! Some, some of this strength I got, it ain't mine. Some of this strength I got, it couldn't be mine. Some of this, some of this fortitude, it couldn't be mine. It must be the paraclete test. It must be the alos paraclete test. It must be something helping leveraging my strength, making me stronger than I really am, makes me appear smarter than I really am. I got some help doing this. Somebody holler help. So watch this. The spirit is groaning and interceding with things I can't even articulate and I don't even know what to pray for. And then it tells me the central intelligence of the Holy Spirit. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. Now there's two different levels of information. He that searches the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. That's two different intelligence. He that searches the heart means that the Holy Spirit lives in me so he can search me. Oh, search me, Lord. Oh, search me, Lord. Oh, you just turn that light from heaven on my soul. Oh, if you find anything that shouldn't be, take it out and straighten me. I want to be right, want to be saved. I want to be oh, oh, such me alone. Y'all don't know nothing about that. <laughs> I'm old school. I can't help it. The Holy Spirit searches you. Searches your heart. He searches your heart. He searches your heart. He knows the little boy in you. He knows that little girl in you. He knows why you feel the way you are. He knows what happened to you. He knows what you went through. He knows things that you don't even understand. He has searched your heart. Like Google searches the World Wide Web. He has searched your heart like a search engine searches a dictionary. And he was searching you. He knows all about you. He knows things about you that you don't know about yourself. Ah, bless his high name. He that searches the heart. Hallelujah. People who say they know you, they don't know you. How could you know me? I don't even know myself. I don't know myself. I don't know myself, but the Holy Spirit has 
searched my heart. So when he intercedes, he's not interceding with limited information. He's dealing with the whole panoramic view of everything that was and is and will be in my life. He that searches the heart knoweth what is the mind of the spirit. Those are, those are two different intelligences. He has the intelligence of who I am and why I am and what I am and where I am and how I feel better than I do because sometimes I know not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I wake up sometimes I say, whoo, I just don't know. I don't know, Lord, I don't know. He that searches the heart also knoweth the mind of the spirit. I can tell right now I'm not going to get very far. I'm moving too slow. But, but, but he, knoweth, he knows me thoroughly, and he knows God thoroughly because he is God. He is one with God. He's not seeking to know the mind of God concerning me. He knows the mind of God concerning me, and he knows me. Who could intercede for you any better than that? Look at the and say, don't make me call the CIA. I got a central intelligence agent who understands my kind of crazy, my kind of situation, my kind of circumstance, even when you can't figure me out. And I admit it, sometimes I can't figure me out, but the Holy Spirit knoweth my heart. He has searched my heart. He understands what being raised, how I was raised, what I was raised, in the circumstance I was raised, what it did to me, what it happened to me, what is biological, what is experiential, what is emotional, what is psychological. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to lay me on the couch and ask me a question. He already knows. He's already searched. He already understands. Oh, bless his high name. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, this is something. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? When you start talking about the Holy Spirit, he touched me. There wasn't a corner, there wasn't a corner my wickedness could hide in that he didn't touch. He touched me. Not one fleck of pain escaped his perusal. He searched me. He understands the mystery of me. He's the only one who's got me figured out. I figured I would follow him back home since he knew the road to get me out of this mess I'm in. He knows! Still to come on the Potter's Touch. If there was something that was going to get you on the wrong road, the Holy Spirit will speak up. If this going to affect your destiny, the Holy Spirit will fix it. The GPS don't say nothing about turn the radio down, roll the window up, it's too cold in here, honk your horn, who does he think he is cutting in front of you? You know why? It don't have nothing to do with the destiny that you have in your life. So you need to shut up and be still and know that God is God. Are you under the shepherd?
Shepherd's Watch, alarms go off that you can't even hear. And angels start flying in that you can't even see because I am sheltered by the shepherd. For your gift of any size, you will receive this critical message, Sheltered by the Shepherd, on CD from the series, The Shepherd's Watch. I can't even tell you all the stuff that almost got me. If nobody in the whole church praises God, I will bless the Lord. dollars or more, you will receive Bishop's series, The Shepherd's Watch, on DVD. Your sister died from it, and yet some kind of way you're still here. The shelter of the shepherd brought me through the storm. However, for your gift of $125 or more, we will also include T.D. Jake's new book, Destiny. Step into your purpose. The Destiny Christian Study Guide Workbook and Destiny Step Series on DVD. Find your safety under the Shepherd's Watch today. And he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit. He's not guessing at what the mind of the Spirit is. He is Spirit. He knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. Knows exactly what... He, he, Oh, gosh, I'm not going to get nowhere. Woo, this is something. You see, he, he knows what is the mind of spirit. He knows what matters. And he knows what doesn't matter. You'd be surprised at the stuff you're worried about that doesn't matter. If it does not affect your destiny, does it really matter? Think about it. You parents that have multiple children. Don't you do a better job with the younger ones than you did the first ones? Because when you raise the first kid, you make issues about stuff that later on you find out it really didn't matter. It's really not as important as you thought it was. By the time you get down to the last one, a whole lot of stuff you don't say nothing about because you're just starting to figure out that all that stuff you was fussing about didn't make any sense. A lot of stuff that the Lord allows to go on, he allows it to go on because it does not affect his purpose. And you're all upset about something that really don't make no difference. I'm about to walk out this door. I mean, really don't make any difference. Dr. James and, and a, a bunch of us were sitting around the house uh, having dinner, and I, I, I think I can... Uh, get it right. We were talking about the Word of God, and she said, I noticed in the Word something to this effect. I noticed in the Word that God was not moved by anything that did not affect the transporting of his seed. Am I pretty close to how you said it? Yeah. If, as long as the seed got passed so that the purpose could be accomplished. Y'all can't handle this. Y'all can't handle none of this. As long, as long, it doesn't matter whether we went by camel. It doesn't matter whether we had to walk. It doesn't matter whether we had to go over this or go over that. It doesn't matter whether you used this one, died. He said, that's all right, I'll do it through that one. This one fell off by the way. This one fell in the sand. He let that pass by. As long as his purpose, that's too wrong for y'all. I can't do that. As long as his purpose, he, he knows what is the mind of the spirit. I better get out of there. That's grown folks stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of stuff you have a big fit about 
You later find out that wasn't important. I never will forget one day I was talking to Jerry Jones and uh, and he was talking talking to me about the Cowboys and he said when the when the Cowboys started their season every year he made he said I make this speech. He said being one of the Cowboys is like going uh, uh, for the gold rush in California uh, on the wagon train. He said the folks who start as you move across the country some would settle and decide they're not going to California. Others would join who were not a part. Some would die. Some would get killed by the Indians. Some of them would go through all kinds of stuff. He said, but when they finally reach California, they would say, we have arrived. He said, and I'm telling you, he said, the same guys that are wearing this uniform, some will make it and some will not. New ones will be brought in and some will be dropped. But when we finally arrive, they will say the Cowboys have arrived. If you keep living, some will join, some will fall off. Some will settle for something else. Some will come on the bandwagon in the middle. But when it's all said and done, when you get to California, we arrive. All that stuff that happened in between. Y'all can't handle this. When the Spirit prays, He does not pray in alignment with what you think. He prays in alignment with what God has ordained. And anything that would threaten what God has ordained for your life, he arrests it, he rebukes it, he stops it. He takes over all that little stuff that happened all the way. We had to circle the wagons. We got shot at. We ran out of food. All of that stuff don't make any difference because this too shall pass. As long I was riding down the road the other day going someplace I didn't know. I got so mad at my GPS I almost choked it. Because I was riding down the road and I wasn't sure where I was going and the girl wouldn't say nothing. It took me the longest time to realize that if she wasn't saying nothing, keep on driving. If there was something that was going to get you on the wrong road, the Holy Spirit will speak up. If it's going to affect your destiny, the Holy Spirit will fix it. The GPS don't say nothing about turn the radio down, roll the window up, it's too cold in here, honk your horn, who does he think he is cutting in front of you? You know why? It don't have nothing to do with the destiny that you have in your life, so you need to shut up and be still and know that God is God. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, let's go with this. For the word of God is quick, it is alive, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now remember, when we're talking about the word of God, we are not just talking about the Bible. We fixed that last Wednesday. Everything that God says, whether he has said it through his written word or through his express word, it is quick. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of thunder of soul and spirit and joints and moral, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Good God Almighty. Woo, my God, I can't hardly take it. What kind of scaffold does God use that goes so deep 
that it splits between soul and spirit. And then the Bible says bone and marrow. How thin must the scalpel be to get in between the bone and marrow? And then it even goes down to the thoughts and the intent. Not just what you thought, but what you intended. That's why I don't want nobody to judge me but God. Because people look at what you did, but God knows why you did it. Oh, I'm about to run out of this room. I can't hardly take it. I can't hardly take it. This, this is good. It's good. Let's read this again. This is good. This is good. For the word of God is quick. It's alive. It's not just written. It's alive. The word quick means alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and moral and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Oh my God. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. He sees you. He sees everything around you, every person around you. There is not any creature, which means anything created. There is not anything created that is not manifest in his sight. He's not trying to figure out anybody in the movie. He knows all the characters, even the dog Bobo. Anything he created, he has already known. Any creature. I'm, I'm still on his intelligence. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked. Can't hide nothing. Come out from behind the big leaves, boy. I saw you. I saw you when you was up under the tree. I saw you. Everything is missing and open before him with whom we have to Imagine what it would be like to be in any kind of relationship with anybody who knew everything. I see how the men be looking so funny. It, uh, it's funny. <laughs> the women look funny, but the men look like real funny. Like, I done lost my title as a bishop. One brother looking at me talking about no dog. <laughs> Absolutely, I'd be questioning, man. Mm -mm, no. Mm -mm. Forget a husband and wife. I don't want the kids to, to hear. Not, I didn't want mama to hear everything. The Bible says all things are naked and open, naked and open before him with whom we have to do. <laughs> Central Intelligence Agency. Imagine what it would be like for God to hear you talking about somebody. 
testimony with the world. Log on to daystar.com slash daystar testimony or call 1-800-329-0029. Weekdays. Hello, I'm Gloria Copeland. Join Kelly and me for two weeks on the Believer's Voice of Victory. We're talking about being free in God. Join us as we take a journey to being free indeed. Weekdays at 11.30, 10.30 p.m. Central. Believer's Voice of Victory. Right here on Daystar. Ready for a TV show that deals with the reality of your life? He said, I'm going to bless you with joy. Joy. I'm going to bless you with peace. Yeah. I'm going to bless you with long-suffering. With a man who is committed to bringing you the truth. He's a God of plan. He's a God of purpose. If you're ready to take life to the next level. The blessing of the Lord is released in your life today. You're ready for a breakthrough. Breakthrough with Rod Parsley at these special times right here on Daystar. Today's generation makes Daystar their home for faith television. Daystar, experience it. The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. So, for the love is a southern phrase that I have trotted out for years and years and years. Oh, for the love. You know, it's kind of like, oh, good grief. So, I use it in all kinds of ways. In some ways, it don't even make sense. Like, From the HGTV show My Big Family Renovation, author, blogger, and speaker, Jen Hatmaker, next on Life Today. So, it's, it's for the love of God. It's for the love of Jesus. It's for the love of people and for the love of the church and for the love of our communities and for the love of the world. I mean, it really sincerely is. I welcome you to life today. And, uh, you know, we've been hearing about Jen Hatmaker, and uh, we've been uh, wanting to meet her, and we've met her, and we've just had a wonderful time. And many of the people who are in this room, she's, she's impacted their lives.
Now I'm knowing and it's showing my 
for grace, for
been raining for the last two days. I ain't mad at it because it keeps it cool. Hey, um, you did hear that uh, Mr. Hayford died, didn't you? Oh, Um, I think they started posting it on Sunday. I'm not sure when he died. Oh, he went on and took his job. You know, I was wondering about that because I knew he was on the prayer list, and I didn't know what the, his conditions were. Right, or right. Or the status right. of the conditions. So, uh, wow. Well, one thing about it, I can say that brother taught me statistics, and he taught me that now. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. He took his journey. Yeah, but well, you know, he that, well, he he he's been in that state for about four or five months at the most. I don't know. That's what we've been asking lately, you know, because we're trying to figure out what was going on. So. Well, he was on the front list well before I got out of school, so oh, really? it's been a minute. Yeah. Oh, okay. and great 
bread together, Lord God. But more than that, Lord God, that we were stuffed from your table, Lord God. We would eat of the food that you have ordained for us, Lord God, the, the food that is fitting for our lives, Lord God. That's every word that has proceeded out of your mouth, every word that has been written in it and recorded in heaven and in the book of the Bible, Lord God, as we study, Lord God, that will give eternal life and promises to us. The word that will give us healing, Lord God, to our our weary souls, the word that will feed us till we want no more. Oh, God, we ask you right now to just move upon the, the heart of Sam, Lord God. Let him continue to teach and pray and preach, and preach, Lord God, your word with authority from the power that you have given him on high. We ask you, Lord God, to let Maria use the voice that you have given her, Lord God, the voice vocal cords to sing praises unto you, you, Lord God, that you will be pleased with the song service, Lord God, that you will be with Erica, Lord God, throughout this day as she counsels us through the words of wisdom that you have given to her, as you be with Renee, Lord God, even as she said her tidbits, Lord God, with us, that we all will be pleased, that we all will be I'm better, Lord God. So there is a seed in the ground for each and every one of us, Lord God. So we know that this is our season for grace, for favor, Lord God. This is our season to reap for what we have sown, Lord God. So we ask that you turn our prayers and our praise, Lord God, a blessing, Lord God, unto us in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord God, even for those who are lost right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that their minds and their hearts will be turned over. Father God, you are the former. You are the husbandry, Lord God. So cultivate our hearts, Lord God. Cultivate us so that those seeds will take root, Lord God, in those who have not confessed the word that Jesus has born and saved of their lives, that they too will receive the promise that has been written in heaven, that we have a home up there in the heavens. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen, Brother Rich Son. Horomboko ko se she 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 yarombrande ko se she she sha haramboko she 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 yarombrande ko saka haramboko dirige shiroko saraka shiroko dirige shiroka handaka yes 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 lord yarandasoko Yes, Father, we praise your name. We glorify you. Who should go, should go, should go, we glorify you, Lord. Oh, Father God, open up our hearts to receive that. Mm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, yes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, Father, yes. Mm. Yes, for the anointing of God, for the peace, for the peace. 
Mm, for the word. Ooh, Jesus. Yes, that's the anointing. Yes, that's the Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord. Yes, for speaking. Thank you, Lord. Yes. For growing, for revealing, for helping us to seek and to trust you. Trusting you, Lord. Ooh. For those things that you have put our hands to, for those things that we have come before you seeking you for, for those things, Lord, we're coming before you saying, Help us with this, Daddy. Show us this, Daddy. Father God, reveal this to us. Mm. And your word. Now go out, boy. We are standing on your word. We are trusting his promises. The anointing of Christ. Oh, shit. As the anointing of Christ is increasing in our lives. Father God, help us to press on, to press on, to press on, to press on, Lord. Yes, 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 Lord. To press on you, Christ. Oh, Jesus. It's only you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yes. The anointing is increasing. Spirit of God. Holy Spirit. Yes, Father, Holy Spirit, yes, yes, yes. Holy Spirit, Yadarambosaka. Holy Spirit, Yadakoseshe. Yes, 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 Sarakosaka. Yes, 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 Father. Hondarakose, Shandarakosaka. Now, Lord, it's time for us to go forth in the deeper things of God. Time for us to go forth, Father. It's time for us to go forth, Lord. Homboko, Hashaka, Shirambraka, Homboko, Shirakaka, Shirakose, Homboko, Shirakasa, Rande, Shirakose, Shirakosa. Strengthen us for this journey, Lord. Hurt us. Strengthen us for this journey, Lord. Gird us up. Strengthen us for this journey, Lord. Gird us up. Strengthen us for this journey, Lord. Gird and keep us. 
as your power, as your strength, as your anointing, as your grace, as your love, as your life enters in. Father God, help us to trust, to move, to flow, to walk as you need us to, Lord. We praise your name. We glorify you. We praise you and glorify you. Well, this is the work that you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 All righty. All righty, then. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, get this puppy started. Got a prayer list to do. Let's go ahead and knock them out. Let me do my list first. All right, let me get my list. Okay. Let's go with Edion. Hundred go say should 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 go Rambo Cosa. Hundred go say should 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 go Rambo Cosa. Humbo Cosa should go say should go say should go say should go Rambo Cosa. Hundred go say should go say should go say should go say should go Rambo Cosa. Hundred go say should 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 go Rambaka. Hundred <laughs> Kemore <laughs> Hundred go say, she 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 go say, she
Tristan Hardy. I should have go say, should have go say, should have go say, should have go send up. And they did a go say, should have go say, should have go say, should have go say, should have go send up. And did a good day, this is a go say, should have go say, should have go say, should have go send up. And did a good day, this is a go say, should have go say, should have go say, should have go say, should have gone bra. And did a good day, this is a go say, should have go say, should have go say, should have go say, should have gone bra. And did a good day, this is a go rumba, say, should have go say, should have go say, should have gone bra. And that a go say, so go back up, so go start up a saka. Radica, Sakara. That's Tristan Hardy. Deidre Brown. Oh, she should go say, she go say, she go say, she go say, she go send up. And this should go say, she 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 go broke up. And this should go say, she 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 go broke. And they did go say, she go say, she go say, she go say, she go broke. And they did go Sanaka, Sakara. Community service. And that should go say, 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 And they could go say, should 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 go Go 
Kumbaka shirika 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 randa kasha konda Kumbaka shirika nda shirika sa Kumbaka shirika shirika nda Kumbaka shirika shirika sana kasha kumbaka Kumbaka
Johnson and Jackson family. Some bullshit to go say, shit to go say, shit to go say, shit to go say, shit to go say. Some bullshit to go say, shit to go say, shit to go say, shit to go say, shit to go say.
Kashi, the Now, forever hold your peace. 
başka Alrighty, alrighty, alrighty. Speak, speak, speak. Lord, you come to your son, Jesus Christ, to pray for the sick and shut in. First of all, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for waking us up. Thank you for seeing us to be, once again, with grace and mercy, approved to help go through your day and to take our answer also to do your will. Lord, this morning we are praying for the sick and shut in. Lord, we know that you control everything. And for the ones who are sick, Lord, we know your healing hands is on them already, working with them and through them. For the shut-in, Lord, we pray that they look towards you as their main focus. But, Lord, in the meantime, I pray for others to open up their ears and also their hearts to go and check on the shut-in. Some of them coming as your ambassadors to make sure that yours are okay. Lord, as we go out through the day, some places are going to be extremely hot. Some places are going to have thunderstorms. But, Lord, you let us know that you are the master of those storms. And if you saw us to it, you'll see us through it. Lord, as we go through the day, we keep our focus and our faith on upon you. Because as it stated, him, God, you are God all by yourself and that you don't need our help, but we forever need yours. As we come under your son, in the name of Jesus, I pray today. Amen. Amen. We got abuse, addiction, congregation, in churches. Missionaries, prisoners. Anybody want to speak up and do a list? Oh, the cat says she want to do a list. Okay, go ahead and pray, cat. She... <laughs> All right, we got prisoners. We got prisoners. Missionaries. Missionaries, prisoners, congregations and churches are accustomed to go 
I'm feeling supernatural, superhuman strength, abilities, gifts, and talents on a synergistic increasing basis. I just can't smile, I just wanna cry It ain't easy 
let's get ready to get into the lesson. Okay, here we go. She the Koromba, she she the Koromba, she she the Koromba, she she the 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 Kumbaka, she the Kosta, she the Mbrana, the Kosanda, the Kosaka. Her boshi she the Kosanda, the Kosta, she the Koromba, the Kosanda. Her boshi she she the Koromba, the Kosta, she the the Koromba, she she the Mbrana, the Kosaka. Mbrana, the Kosta, she 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 the Kosta. Father God, we praise your name, we glorify your Help us to walk, help us to receive, help us to become the men and women of God that you're calling us to be. The Holy Spirit revealed to us the word that is about to go forth. Help our help us to receive it and open up our hearts, so we can hear from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. The scriptures speak of two representative men. The first is called Adam. The second is called the last Adam. First Corinthians fifteen and forty five, or the second man. The Lord from heaven. First Corinthians fifteen and forty seven. This identifies him with the Lord Jesus Christ. The first Adam is charged with bringing sin into the world. By one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death is passed upon all men, for all that have sinned, Romans 5 and 12. The last Adam came to reverse what the first Adam did, and to put away sin, Hebrews 9 and 26. For by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gifts of righteousness to reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Romans 5 and 17. To understand the work of these two representative men, we must study their history. After the earth has been restored from its formless and void condition, and the air, sea, and earth have been repopulated with bird, fish, and animal life, we read, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creepy thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Mm. From this, we see that man is a created being. That he was made in the image of God. 
And in the image of an ape, I'm saying not in the image of an ape, and was formed not from a brute, but of the dust of the earth. There is an impassable gulf between the lowest order of man and the highest type of beast, and science has failed to bridge. The missing link has never been found. That whole human race is of one species and a common origin, Acts 17 and 26. It's clear from the fact that when the different races of the earth's inhabitants intermarry, the offspring are not sterile but fertile. There is no contradiction between the first and second chapters of Genesis as to the creation of man. The first chapter, Genesis 1 and 26 through 28, gives the fact of his creation. The second, the manner of it, Genesis 2 and 7. One is supplementary to the other. In Genesis 2 and 7, we are told that the Lord God formed, fashioned man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. From this we see that the creation of man was threefold. The formation of the body, the impartation of the spirit, and the unification of the two through the soulish part of man. The two principal parts of man are the body and the spirit. But as the, as the functions of these are separate, one being physical and the other spiritual, a third part had to be supplied called the soul, intermediate between them and through which they communicate. This makes man a threefold being. First Thessalonians five and twenty three, Hebrews four and twelve. See the chapter on the spirit world and the chart of the threefold nature of man. In Adam, as originally created, the soul was such a perfect medium of communication between the body and the spirit that there was no conflict between them. The three blended together in one harmonious whole. When man failed, the soul became the battlefield of the body and the spirit. And the conflict began that Paul so graphically describes in Romans 7, 7, Eve was not fashioned in the same way as Adam. She was made later. The Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone, and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Genesis Genesis 2 and 21 through 23. The reason why Eve was not fashioned separately from Adam, but was taken out of Adam's side, was to show that in their relation to each other, a man and a wife, they were to be one flesh. That is, in their interests, sympathies, etc., they were to be one, and physically they were to be counterparts of each other. In this respect, Adam and Eve are a type of the last Adam, and his Eve, the church, Ephesians 5, 25-32. Adam was not created a baby or a primitive savage, but a full-grown man, perfect in intellect and knowledge, Else he could not have named the beast of the field and the fowl of the air. 
and the fact that his descendants had such skill in an invention of musical instruments and mechanical devices and could build cities and towers and such vessels as the ark proves that the men of the Antidevolian times were men of gigantic intellect and attainment, and that instead of man having evolved upwards, he degenerated downwards. The first pair were happy in their sweet companionship, and doubtless believed that it would last forever. They knew nothing of the ruins of the primeval earth, of a renewed earth. Neither did they know that the heavens above them swarmed with fallen beings under the leadership of Satan, and that their happiness was to end in a fall that will necessitate their expulsion from the Garden of Delight, and that sooner or later they should taste the physical death. If it be charged that God should have forewarned Adam of, of his danger of an attack by Satan, let it not be forgotten that the commandment not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil should have caused him to beware of any being who should tempt him to disobey the commandment of God and eat of it. To have plainly told him of the plan of Satan would have frustrated God's purpose in the testing of Adam. True obedience is to obey without knowing why. That's powerful right there. True obedience is to obey without knowing why. Hmm. Yes. True obedience is to obey without knowing why. How long after Adam was created, Eve was given to him, we do not know. It must have been some time, for Adam required time to name all the living creatures that were brought to him, of cattle, of fowl, and of the beasts of the field. Neither are we told how long after Eve was given to Adam before the temptation. It is hardly likely that it was immediately, for they were mature physically, they were but as children in experience as at least Eve was, and she was unfit to cope with the seductive wiles of the serpent, the most powerful enemy of God and man. Satan's purpose in the temptation was to thwart God's purpose in the creation of man. The peopling of the earth with a holy race of beings, and to regain the earth which he had lost by his rebellion. His hope was to excite God to destroy the first pair for their sin before they could populate the earth. He played his game with consummate skill, Fearing that if they approached together, they might withstand him. He waited the time when Eve should be alone. It is not improbable that Eve, curious to know the cause of the prohibition, is stolen away from Adam and gone off by herself to examine the tree, and that Satan, discovering her there, was not slow to take advantage of his opportunity. If Eve had avoided the vicinity of the tree, she not would have been able to cast that look at which made her desire to eat of his fruit. Satan saw that Eve was disgruntled about something. He wisely surmised that it was because God had forbidden Adam and Eve to eat of the tree, so he approached her and spoke to her. The fact that Eve was not afraid to talk with the serpent is an indication that it was not a loathsome creature and that it was no stranger to her. She had seen it often and probably talked with it before, but Satan does not make a supreme effort until he had first prepared the way. What the serpent was like before it was cursed and caused to crawl up instead of stand upright, we do not know, but it must have been a beautiful creature. Whether it had the power to talk or simply became the mouthpiece of Satan, we are not told. What we do know is that Satan incarnated himself into it. Observing that Eve was casting longing glances at the fruit of the tree, the serpent opened the conversation by craftily asking, Yea, have God said, Ye shall not eat the tree of the garden? 
The subtlety of this question is seen in the insinuating suggestion that God did not love them and was unfair and unkind and forbid them anything. In her answer, Eve betrays her feeling toward God by touching to the prohibition, saying, Neither shall ye touch it, as if God was afraid to trust her. She also altered the penalty from thou shalt surely die to least ye die, thus expressing doubters to the certainty of death. It is a dangerous thing to add or subtract from God's word. Revelation 22, 18 and 19. Commencement of the fall was the deceitful handling of the word of God. 2 Corinthians 4 and 2. And I'm going to just stop it there. Okay. Okay, the scriptures speak of the representative men. The first is called Adam, the second is called the last Adam, 1 Corinthians 15 45, or the second man, the Lord from heaven, 1 Corinthians 15 47. This identifies him with the Lord Jesus Christ. The first Adam is charged with bringing sin into the world. By one man, sin into the world, and by death, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned, Romans 5 and 12. The last Adam came to reverse what the first Adam did and to put away sin, Hebrews 9 and 26. For by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness should reign in life by one, Jesus Christ, Romans 5 and 17. To understand the work of these two representative men, we must study the history. So basically right now he's just breaking down the two different Adams as far as the scripture is concerned. The first Adam is the one that we all know is Adam. The second Adam is Jesus Christ. Jesus came to repair what the first Adam broke. The first Adam allowed sin into the world. Jesus came to fix the problem. After the earth had been restored from its formless void and condition, the air, the sea, and the earth repopulated with bird, fish, and fowl life, we read, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them, Genesis 1, 26-27. So there was a meeting taking place. It said, let us, it means us meaning there's not just one person. You don't... Unless you say me, myself, and I, then us indicates there's more than one purpose. God said, let us make man in our image. That meeting took place between the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So those three entities in the image, of that's what they are. Those three entities, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, made us after his image. That's why we're three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. From this we see that man is a created being, that he was made in the image of God, not in the image of an ape, and was formed not from a brute, but of all the dust of the earth. There is an impassable gulf between the lowest order of man and the highest type of beast that ancient that means that science has failed to bridge. The missing link has never been found. <clears throat> that the whole human race is of one species and had a common origin, Acts uh, 17 and 26. It's clear from the fact that when the different races of the earth's inhabitants intermarry, 
The offspring are not sterile but fertile. There is no contradiction between the first and the second chapters of Genesis as the creation of man. <clears throat> the first chapter of Genesis 1, 26 and 28 gives the fact of it created. The second, the manner of it. Genesis 2 and 7. One is supplementary to the other, Genesis 2 and 7. We're told that the Lord God formed or fashioned man of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. From this we see that the creation of man was threefold. The formation of the body, the impartation of spirit, the unification of these two through the soulless part of man. Now when he's talking about us intermarrying and still producing offspring, offspring and being fertile. Okay, and he's basically talking about the different races. You know, you got, well, breaking it down, you got Negroid, Caucasoid, and, and Mongoloid. Basically, mean your Asian speak, your Asian race, your Negroid race, and then the Caucasoid race. Now, out of that, you got all these different races. So I ain't going through all that. But the thing is, when one race intermarries or or has formed sex has sex with another race, we have another child looking a little bit different outside of a race, but bottom line is still a human being. And see now when you go to animals, like a mule is a mixture between a donkey and a horse. It's sterile. Okay? Even in plants and stuff, when they when they come out like with the seedless watermelons or the this and the other. So when they mix one thing to another, then a lot of times these things are sterile, they can't re- reproduce. So that in itself is a testament that man is made in God's image, that man is able to reproduce, that man did not come from a missing leaf, or we did not evolve from a germ or from a fish, from an ape to a man. God created us this way. The unification of the two through the soulish part of man the two principal parts of man are the body and the spirit, but as the function of these are separate, one being physical, the other spiritual. A third part has to be supplied called the soul, intermediate between them and through, and through which they may communicate. This makes man a threefold being. First Thessalonians 5, 23, Hebrews 4 and 12. See the chapter on the spirit world and the chart of the threefold nature of man. In Adam, in Adam is oh, Jerakaste did the comprasta duro corasende shed the comprande the cassette he handed the condor cassette the cohonana casaca. And Adam is originally created the soul was such a perfect medium of communication between the body and the spirit that there was no conflict between them. The three blended together in one harmonious whole. When man fell, the soul became a battlefield of the body and the spirit, and the conflict began. And the conflict began that Paul so graphically described in Romans 7, 7, 24. I mean, 7, 7 through 24. So what he's talking about, when Adam was first created, there was no conflict. Everything was in unison. Now, after the fall, there's a constant conflict. The war is between the spirit and the, and the flesh, and it's the soul that makes a, difference, makes a decision about which, which direction you're going to go, who you're going to yield to. You know, you say I'm. You you say yeah. Soon, for perfect example, I tell you all. You might you might not even be hungry. I said we're gonna have a fast starting on tonight at midnight. All of a sudden, everybody gets hungry. All of a sudden, you want to eat this stuff that you hadn't eaten. That's your flesh. As soon as you tell your flesh you can't do something, it's automatically going to begin to 
contradicted. It's the nature of the flesh. So you have to begin to understand what you're dealing with and ignore it. That's what God does. He says you in the word that you worship God in spirit and in truth. So you have to begin to when your when your when your um spirit when your body begins to rear up with the stupid ideas or stupid things or just things that are contrary to the word of God. It might not even be not might not even be stupid. It might just be contrary. Perfect example saying, Okay, we need to study every night a certain or read read um read one chapter of um Proverbs or whatever. Then you always find something to do. Or and the or something to pop up. These things are necessary. All right, Renee might have to take care of the baby, or I gotta go to school, I gotta go to work. And so it's hard to find time to do that. But then when you because see that's just the nature of the spirit of this world and the nature of the flesh. As soon as you begin to walk toward God, then something's gonna just automatically spring up to pull you away. So then what you have to do is you have to make a decision and stand and fight and put God first. See, in the word it tells you, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all his righteousness. But that is not an easy stance to take because it's going to require something of you. This just, is just the way things are set in motion. The world and your flesh is contrary to the things of God. Eve was not fashioned in the same way as Adam. She was made later. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is not bone of my bone, and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman, W-O-E-M-A-N. <laughs> She's been woe to man ever since. But anyway, that's a joke. <laughs> she should be called woman. Because she was taken out of man, Genesis two twenty one through twenty three. The reason why Eve was not fashioned separately from Adam, but was taken out of Adam's side, was to show that in their relation to each other, as man and wife, they were to be one flesh. This is in the this is in their interests, sympathies, etc. They were to be one, and physically they were to be counterparts of each other. In this respect, Adam and Eve are a type of the last Adam and his Eve, the church. Ephesians five and twenty three through twenty two. I'm sorry, Ephesians 5, 25 through 32. So, the way that things are supposed to be, and I just say it like that, because as we can tell as evidence of, is things are out of order. Man and woman are supposed to be side by side. The, the correct divine order is God first, man second, then woman that is not a, a a period that is not a um that does not mean that man has like a slave that's what I'm trying to say woman is not a slave to man she's supposed they're supposed to work side by side that's how it's supposed to be now, I'm just telling you how it is that holding a story I ain't gonna get into that I ain't gonna touch that, but the way it's supposed to be is God first, then man then woman. Adam was not created a baby or a primitive savage, but a full-grown man, perfect in intellect and knowledge. Else he could not have sinned. I'm sorry. Else he could not have named the beast of the field and the fowls of the air. And the fact that his descendants had such skill in the invention of musical instruments and me- mechanical devices and could build cities and towers and such vessels, the ark, proves that the men that entered the volume times were men of gigantic intellect and attainment, and that instead of man having evolved upwards. He has degenerated downwards. So we think we're getting better nowadays. 
But in all actuality, and spiritually, we were getting worse. I mean, even in a, in a natural way, with all this technology. Oh yeah, we got all this technology. The smartphones, biggest joke there is. People can't even remember their own phone numbers no more. So who's smart? The phone is smart till it crashes. See, that's because man is walking, and I'm not. I know. I'm, I mean, I talk about you know that stuff because you know I don't do it like y'all, but. I mean, and it does have benefits, else it wouldn't be so popular. But you have to also understand that you don't need to be so dependent upon it that you can't function without it. And that's that's the that's the catch-22. See, that's men walking according to their own wisdom. Just like this whole thing with these plastic bags they got going now. You know, they they invented these all these little little real thin plastic bags and saved all this money. Well, unfortunately, they can't recycle them or they can't do this. So now they created a hazard, a biohazard. So now, after years of the plastic bags, now they're going back to paper bags or a recyclable bag because now they created a problem that they can't really fix. So, again, that's man walking in his wisdom and not God's wisdom. The first pair were happy in their sweet companionship. Oh, isn't that love? That's so special. Mm-mm-mm. I had baby face on the radio earlier today. I'll cook your dinner. I'll make your bill. I'll bring a check. They were happy. One and one. La, 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 la. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. What happened to the skipping? Well, oh, yeah. They got the skip. La, 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 la. <laughs> oh, shoot. So the first pair were happy in their sweet companionship, and doubtless believed that it would last forever. <laughs> Well, they on the same page as a lot of others. I know I'm gonna just keep reading. I ain't gonna comment. They knew nothing <laughs> of, of the ruins of the primeval earth beneath their feet, now covered with the adenic verdure as a renewed earth. Neither did they know that the heavens above them were swarmed with fallen beings under the leadership of Satan, and that their happiness was the end and the fall that would necessitate that expulsion from the garden of delights. And that sooner or later they should taste the physical death. If it be charged that God should have forewarned Adam of his danger of an attack by Satan, let it not be forgotten the commandment not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil should have caused him to beware of any being who should tempt him to disobey that command of God and to eat of it. To have plainly told him of the plan of Satan would have frustrated God's purpose in testing of Adam. True obedience is to obey without knowing why. That statement there is just so powerful in and of itself. True obedience is to obey without knowing why. That's honestly what God is trying to get us in our walk with him. Last week and last we've been talking about trusting God. And how, and, all, and very honestly, that's that's a hard walk. We said, "Oh yeah, I trust," but really, when you start getting to the level of trusting God at a much higher level, when you are totally—and I'm gonna say it in this vein—and understanding me when I'm saying it, when you are totally dependent upon Him, because in reality, we're totally dependent upon Him. We just don't recognize it, saved or unsaved. As soon as God moves His hands, your life is over with. So, you know, we just because we might have a job or a family, we got things of support in our life 
that we think are supported or that we think we can fall back on, we, we, we see that we can depend on, on our systems or our bank accounts or our money, those things that are already in place. But in a moment, if God makes a decision, that can change. Look at Job. In one moment, they came from three different directions. The enemy attacked your cattle. Your family got killed. All of this happened. I forget all what happened, but he had three or four reports in a moment. And he was left with his wife and his friends. That's what he was left with. So if God so decides, he can really show you, no, you are truly dependent upon me more than you recognize. But getting back to this, it says true obedience is to obey without knowing why. And, I, and that's what led me into that, because we have to recognize dependence upon God. But true obedience, meaning God tells you to go left, and you just go left without asking him why. God tells you to do this, and you just begin. That's what he's truly designed us to get to that point. Not on the smaller things. He's got to start you with the smaller things, though. He's got to train you with the dark and smaller things. Because, see, as you begin to go into the higher and the deeper levels, then that's that, 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 that your own corrupt nature, your own flesh desire, your own soulish desire, nine times out of ten are going to contradict what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. So then you have to begin to, first of all, recognize it, and second of all, deny it. So that's what I'm saying. So it, when you truly start to get into the, old, the deeper and the more mature aspects of trusting God and, and being obedient, it, it, it's a lot more to it than most people will really understand or realize. Most of them say it out their mouth, but they're really not living it. I'm going to keep reading because we talked about a lot of this all the time. How long after Adam was created, Eve was given to him, we do not know. It must have been some time, for Adam required time to name all of the living creatures that were brought to him of cattle, fowl, and the beasts of the field. Neither are we told how long after Eve was given to Adam before the temptation. It is hardly likely that it was immediately, for while they were mature physically, they were but as children in experience. At least Eve was, and she was unfit to cope with the seductive wiles of the serpent, the most powerful enemy of God and man. Satan's purpose in the temptation was to thwart God's purpose in the creation of man. The peopling of the earth was with a holy race of beings, and to regain the earth which he had lost by his rebellion. His hope was to excite God to destroy the first pair for their sin before they could repopulate the earth. He played his game with consummate skill, fearing that if they were approached together, they might withstand him. He awaited the time when Eve should be alone. So Satan got a divine purpose. It's like it's just a game of chess. Satan is always trying to out out play God. And we're the chess pieces. So Satan set something up to make us move or to do something one way, to try to get God to 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 to, to you know make a mistake or, or whatever. God has already strategically got everything moved. And remember, this is all a free will thing now. It's not like they literally have total control over us. But see, that's that that that's that gray area. God is it's like God is totally understanding like this. God is totally in control, but you still have free will. 
Now, God is totally in control in the fact that his ultimate plan is going to be accomplished. It's just a matter of a choice of whether or not it's going to be done in and through you. That's, that's, that's the thing. So in his sovereignty, his will is going to be accomplished. His purposes are going to be done. But in his love and his grace and his mercy, you have an opportunity to either participate with him or not. And so that's, that's the chess playing game right there. It is not improbable that Eve, curious to know the cause of the prohibition, had stolen away from Adam and gone off by herself to examine a tree. That Satan discovering her there was slow to, was not slow to take advantage of his opportunity. If Eve had avoided the vicinity of the tree, she would not have been able to cast that look which made her desire to eat of his fruit. Now see, that in itself, remember what we're talking about. Now I, I point this out a lot. She had a desire to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. She caught, it caught his eye, caught her eye. Mm-hmm. But remember this, she still, the world at that point, Adam and Eve still was sinless. So now in, in her sinless state, in her flesh and everything in perfect order as far as spirit, soul, and body, everything communicating the way that it was, in that state, she still had a desire to do something that God told her not to do. That's how powerful your flesh is. That's why you have to begin to become aware of it. So the it's going to point out later on that, that Adam wasn't, wasn't there. Adam wasn't far. She did not. The word of God said, did not say she had to go look for Adam. When she ate it, she turned around and gave to Adam. Adam had a desire, too. But he just, just came through even. He, he could have told her, no, Adam wasn't far. Because nothing happened. When he saw her eat of it, she, he was right there. So, she, so it wasn't like it was just her. It was both of them. Right. If Eve had avoided the vicinity of the tree, she would not have been able to cast a look which made her desire to eat of his fruit. Satan saw that Eve was disgruntled about something. He wisely surmised that it was because God had forbidden Adam and Eve to eat of the tree. So he approached her and spoke. The fact that Eve was not afraid to talk with the serpent is an indication that it was not a loathsome creature and that it was no stranger to her. For she had seen it often, probably talked with it before. For Satan does not make a supreme effort until he has first prepared the way. What the serpent was like before was cursed and caused to crawl instead of stand upright. We do not know, but it must have been a beautiful creature. Whether it had the power to talk or simply became the mouthpiece of Satan, we are not told. What we do know is that Satan incarnated himself into it. See, things were different from Adam had to name all of, all of the beasts, all of the fish, all of the fowls of the air. Everything was in complete as it needed to be. So there was some type of level of communication. God used to come down and spend time with Adam in the garden. And it said times. Because in the words it went, at the time, and I, I can't say it verbatim, but bottom line, at the time that Adam um, would spend, it said in the world, at, at this time that Adam would spend time with God. There was a set time that Adam and God would always get back together, and God came looking for him. Adam went and hid himself. So the level of communication was much, much clearer than it is now. So for her to talk with that animal, it wasn't an uncommon thing, and it didn't scare her. Now, even in, even in, a, in, a, in the book with um, Balaam and the mule, when the mule started talking to him, 
he was in such a state that he was kicking a mule and talking back to it. So even in this, this situation, when the animal communicated with him, you know, in the state of sin, he, he didn't even run from it. Now, we, we laugh and joke about our animals talking. Like I said, the cat's going to pray. Let the cat really start talking. Cat going to be outside. <laughs> okay? I and uh, cat going to be outside. One of us got to leave. But then again, though, too, like I've been saying, they've been showing uh, actions of animals where they're more of what you would see out of a human having compassion towards a fellow man. I mean, so, you know, animals adapt, and they wind up adapting to where they're acting like how we used to act, but then they're adapting and acting more like them. (laughs) Things are switching around. Yeah. I know my dad said that um cat was outside and she had caught a baby bird and was messing with the bird and he happened to look up on the on the vine. He said it was all different types of birds on that line and they were just hey, beep, 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 beep. So in other <laughs> words he I'm gonna just say that he might have called a little sparrow, but you had robins, sparrows, blackbird, all kind of birds had come together. So even though they were different I don't then I speak different types of birds, but they all were trying to kick get, keep her from getting on this baby bird. Right. So they communicate. They 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 interact with each other. They understand each other. Right. Now what's wrong with us? We crazy. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, at that we feel entitled. Um. I saw a picture the other day where it was around 4th of July. Some idiot had put um, firecrackers in a dog's mouth and it wound up blowing off half his face, and he thought it was funny. Mm. And the thing of it is, like I said, through the ecosystem, we have to care about ourselves, we have to care about the animals, we have to care about the plants, because we all and just, a function to keep it going. Yep, that's true. So you can't opt out one or the other. That's very true. But see, you got a lot of people, they're money hungry, and they say, oh, well, that's going to hurt that. Oh, well, no big deal. It don't matter no way. I'd rather make the money. <laughs> well, money is made by man. And whatever is made by man, it's not going to last forever. Hmm. And out of that, but then too, you go back to um, you go back to what the Indians had told the first settlers when they were asking about how much you want for your land, and they said the land belongs to everybody. Mm-hmm. Just return it back to the condition it was when you first saw it. Mm-hmm. Okay, the settlers they looked upon it as if. Oh, yeah, they full of it. They don't know what they're talking about. But in the meantime, the Indians wasn't out of there turning around trying to find new places to live. So they tore up where they were. <clears throat> and, you know, just down, like down through history, um, out of England, they always said they were looking for a haven, a paradise, and also the fountain of youth. Hmm. But every time they set their foot on a paradise, 
They called those people heathens. <laughs> but they still brought their old nasty journey way. The Hydros say something that's a heathen and they're thriving and they're still able to keep up the condition of what they were what they had dominion over. While the oppressor that's coming from another area, nothing, pretty much nothing good was going on over there. You had people that was living in, you had a lot of people that was living in strife. You had people who were governed by kings and queens that really didn't care. But meantime, you go up to other places and and they're setting it up to destroy you. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, you know, when you're talking about the tree of knowledge and the Garden of Eden, you can almost look at England being that tree of knowledge. And as they step forth out, ships to other ports to find things, they also brought their their knowledge of destruction mm. to those places that were slamming and good on their own until they got there. That's man. That's man. And then Trump has that to be still here to talk about another group of people come from another land to come over and do what the fathers have done. But as I said, if you point one finger at one person, you got three fingers coming back at yourself. Yep. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> it says, observing that Eve was casting longing glances at the fruit of the tree, the serpent opened conversation by craftily asking, Yea, have God said ye should not eat of every tree of the garden? The subtlety of this question is seen in its insinuating suggestion that God did not love them and was unfair and unkind and forbid them anything. In her answer, Eve betrays her feeling toward God by adding to the prohibition, saying, Neither shall ye touch it, as if God was afraid to trust her. She was also altered the penalty from, Thou shalt surely die, to lest ye die, thus expressing doubt as to the certainty of death. It is a dangerous thing to add or subtract from God's word, Revelations 22, 18 through 19. The commencement of the fall was the deceitful handling of the word of God, 2 Corinthians 4 and 2. And that's what Satan does. He takes the word and he twists it so you don't, you don't walk in the fullness of it. And can you use You couldn't use the give uh, Satan the name of being an uh, active bully? You said an active bully? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't even say a bully. I mean, he can bully, but he he's just very, very manipulative. Right. I mean, he would. He he. If if he thought bullying would work, then yeah. But if he wanted to just sit up there, he's gonna. He he literally just kind of studies you, 
and just try to observe and see what's the best form of tactic to get to you. Yeah. You know, and his has to be from the outside in, whereas God is from the inside out, and that's the difference is how they, how they um. See, God knows truly what's on your heart and what you're going to do. Satan can only really tell by your actions and reactions. Right. So. But that is the lesson for today. So you got comments, questions, criticisms, conclusions. Okay, I can tell you, amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Hmm. Oh, good. All right, guess we take prayer requests. Yeah, I'll go away. Who wants to pray? Huh? So who else wants to pray? I take a pray. Speak now or forever hold your peace. Anybody want to pray? Okay, well, I'll start off with you, Renee. Okay. Okay, keep on saying they want a prayer. Hmm? Eric, is that you? I'm about to check my phone, see if she's on a computer or not. Because I keep hearing somebody say they want a prayer. Oh. All I heard was a baby. Nope, I don't see you on there. Okay. Well, I'll pray for the baby since the baby's making noise. Okay. What's the baby's name again? Enila. Enila. Mm-hmm. Father God, I want to lift up Enila. Oh, yes, 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 Lord. Yes, 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 Father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, Yerokosandaka. Mm-hmm, Yerokose, Shirakanda, Sirokose, Shirakanda, Shirokose. Father God, we lift her up. We place her before you. Continue to love on her and move her down the pathway that you want her to go. Let your word cover, protect, heal, and anoint her, Father, so she can rise up and be used by you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, excuse me. Uh, let me pray for Renee. Umbra, she'll go say, 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 go say, she'll 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 go say, she
Haramraka, yes, 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 We praise you, Father. We glorify you, Lord. Cover us, keep us, Father God, we thank you for this woman We thank you, Father, as you continue to minister to her, and cover and carry her, help her to walk down the pathways you want her to walk. Help her to see, should and to seek you, Father, and help her to trust you. She Father, help us to rise up. Help us to, Father, to seek your word in all and through all so she can be used by you. In Jesus' mighty name, it is so. Amen. 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 All right. Anybody else want to pray? All right, we're going to listen to this song and see what God wants to do, if anything. And if he, after that, that'll dictate what we're going to do.
Anything? Uh, and if anybody else had anything, if not, I'm gonna say a goodbye. Okay. Uh, well, I'll holler at y'all tomorrow. Okay. Au revoir.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.